This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. This is part two of what will be a continuing series. Uh, we got very, very into the idea, or not into, I don't know, fascinated by the idea of inventors who died by their own inventions. We thought it would be one episode. It might be a series. We thought uh, we would do just one episode on all the people who <laughs> died trying to fly. But here we are. Shout out to super producer Max Williams. Here we are, Noel. It's part two. A lot of people died trying to fly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Part two. Also, I would like to jump in. This might be very morbid because I've already flown out by on vacation by this point. So we hope you made it, buddy. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. don't die. You're safer than you would be in a car. Really? Really? Yeah. Do you have any statistics about that? Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> the stories of people who died trying to fly keep going. I want to introduce a tailor to you now, folks. A tailor by the name of Franz Reichert. He died while testing not an airplane, but his own invention, which he called the coat parachute. Uh, he jumped off the first deck of the Eiffel Tower. Uh, this guy 
was fascinated by the innovations that he saw in the early days of airplanes. And being a cool dude, he was also concerned about the people in those airplanes. There were a lot of crashes back in those days. So he wanted to use his tailoring skills to make a, um, you could call it a, a parachute suit, which is a fun tongue twister. Is this like an Inspector Gadget kind of situation? Super, like, uh, like yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It kind of seems like it. Like you pull a string and your trench coat inflates and you float gently down to, to safety. You got to see the photos. Also, I want to jump in here because you said the first deck of the Eiffel Tower. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, how high up is that? And from a quick Google search, it's 187 feet. So it's not like he's like five feet in the air. He's he's up there. Yeah, that's the that's the part of it. So that's the thing. There were already parachutes around. They're what are called fixed canopy parachutes. And there were already parachutes that worked for high altitudes. But our guy Franz wanted a parachute that would help for people jumping from planes at very low altitudes. And he said, look, I picture him talking the ear off of his customers right at his at his shop and you know he's he's tailoring somebody's pants he's adjusting their inseam or whatever and he's saying you know i make suits and pants for a living but i'm really into parachutes you guys into planes and next thing you know that poor client is stuck there for 30 minutes while this guy tells them all about how these pants would be better if they were part of a suit that was a parachute uh, he, More like uh, a parasuit, am I right? There it is. <laughs> so he said, I want something light enough that a pilot can wear it without restricting their movement too much, but I need it to be durable enough to save that pilot's life. If they're at a low altitude, they have to jump out of the plane. How James Bond is this? James Bond is going to show up thematically later in this episode, as you might imagine. And he made these prototypes and all his prototypes were terrible. Like he, he had dummies, he had mannequins, thank goodness for the first few rounds, and they just fell to the ground. The parachute wasn't catching enough air. He was notable in the public sphere, in the media of the day, and he would say things like, my invention is like nothing else. It's constructed basically half in waterproof fabric and half in silk. Thanks to a system of rods and belts that one can control, the parachute deploys during a fall and will save a pilot's life. That's big talk when all your dummies are hitting the ground almost immediately. Uh, not to be dissuaded, Franz tried one out himself, one of his earlier prototypes. He jumped, he pulled. He tried to fly. He broke his leg. Yeah. You ever do that thing with the eggs? Yeah. Uh, in school yes. where you have to like keep the eggs from breaking and they're all, you could do it any different number of ways, sort of like Pinewood Derby style. But like a lot of people did parachutes or like, you know, different kinds of packing. Uh, but it wasn't easy. It's not easy. Uh, and, and this guy seems like he went to the human trial part of the experiment a little <laughs> overzealously. <laughs> a little too early. I remember in seventh grade doing that doing the experiment. It was like a couple other classes did it. And all the other classes, like the teachers got on top of like a ladder and dropped it. Mine was like a gym coach. He got off the top and just like would chuck him down, like full like force throw He's him spiking? down. Spiking? Yeah. That's unfair. 
Yeah, he's spiking them from the top of a, of a ladder. It, uh, mine did not make it, by the way. It's a commitment to the bit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, I I believe in myself. Um, but yeah, I can imagine a lot of those ending in failure. What happened here, Ben? Oh, yeah. So he's convinced. It's not me that's wrong, he says. It's the way it's being tested. What I need to do to make sure this works is to jump from a higher elevation. That's the problem. I broke my leg because I wasn't brave enough. In an interview before his death, he says, the suit has not had time to make contact with the air. If I had 50 or 100 meters instead of 25, the results would be wonderful. I will prove it one day. Uh, and something that really changed his mind here, Noel, or something that really, um, I guess, compelled him was the Aero Club de France who offered a prize of 10,000 francs to anyone who could create a safety parachute for aviators that was lightweight. As long as it didn't weigh more than 25 kilograms and it worked, they would give you 10,000 francs. That's why he starts looking at the Eiffel Tower and he goes to the police and says, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I made this awesome parachute. I need you to let me jump off the Eiffel Tower. And of course, they say, no, you're crazy. That's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can't be held responsible. You know, it's like, do you think those like fly guys get permission to to <laughs> climb their way up of right. buildings or like the the dude, the tightrope walk between the twin towers? No, you're, you're doing a crime. And the reason is because liability, people can't be held responsible for, for the insane daring do of others. Uh, so this always involves some form of trespassing. Uh, it's also why, you know, self-experimentation is still highly controversial. And, and I think considered pretty unethical uh, in, in the medical field and in research. Yes. Yeah. No. I, I mean, it's true. It's a debate that continues today. And like many other people, I love that you mentioned the fly guy. Our boy Franz decides that uh, maybe it's better to play along. Maybe he should have asked forgiveness rather than permission. But he badgers the police for an entire calendar year, and they finally say, okay, you got to stop coming to the station. We will let you test the parachute so long as you use a dummy or mannequin that's roughly human-sized uh, you just can't have a living person jump off the Eiffel Tower with your cockamamie parachute idea. And he says, yeah, absolutely. I get it. You know, we are agreed on this. And so around 7 a.m. on February 4th, 1912, he gets journalists, he gets cameramen, he gets friends and family to watch him leap from the Eiffel Tower. That's right. Him, not a dummy. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. 
This is important stuff. Your team can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Everybody, literally everybody at the scene told him this was a terrible idea. His friends, his family, journalists, a guy who's just working security is saying, dude, don't jump. And he said he had to. He said, I intend to prove the worth of my invention. So one French paper of note, uh, La Matine, observed that Reichelt's determination to jump caused ripples of unease to to spread throughout the crowd. Uh, The paper said, quote, among the spectators, only he seemed happy. And then the next morning, (laughs) everyone thought he would kill himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's definitely a jumper type situation. I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Please, you're making us all really uncomfortable. You could... 
Cut ties with whatever. Yes. If you agree. Yeah, that was a really that was a golden era of over enunciation in, in rock singing. You know, it's like and if you would I want to see me again, I will understand. Like weird, absurd vowel sounds. Yeah. Really nonsensical, but yeah. I like I like uh Noel Noel has a great story about a true a third eye blind concert, which maybe yeah. we save for a yeah. live show. Show, show me, me your true, true faces. faces. Franz yeah. Reitel is is yelling at the crowd from the uh, first deck of the Eiffel Tower. No, he's seriously, everybody is telling him this is a bad, bad idea. And he says, You are going to see how my parachute will give your arguments the most decisive of denial. About now, y'all are wrong. I'm gonna do this, (laughs) right? Right? He's getting heckled by people who hope he is alive tomorrow, and he's not listening. Uh, about an hour and 22 minutes pass, so it's 8 22 a.m. Uh, he is stepping up onto a small table by the edge of the platform, and he does this move. This is so cinematic. He has a newspaper and he rips part of the newspaper and lets it fly. And he's watching the wind. He wants to see the direction of the wind. Hesitates for a bit. And the crowd is thinking, okay, we talked him down. He's not going to do it. Or he's going to use a dummy. And he looks at the crowd. And we don't know exactly what his facial expression is. But he jumps. He does. He jumps wearing his parachute. And his parachute folds instantly around him. And he plummets down to the ground. The wrong direction, right? I mean, of course, of course, the wrong direction toward the ground. But I mean, the parachute deploys, what, incorrectly? When you say it folded around him, that just means it didn't really deploy properly. It was like a It wash. didn't catch the air. Right, it exactly. It didn't catch the air. It did not catch the air. Because again, I, I keep coming back to this image of Inspector Gadget, but it really was a thing he used a lot. He had this ripcord he'd pull on his gray, you know, mm-hmm. kind of iconic trench coat, and then it would, inf- it looked like it would either inflate which wouldn't make sense unless it was like, you know, airtight. Presumably Inspector Gadget was some sort of hybrid robot man. Um, cyborg, totally. Cyborg, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it really was meant to be, because also I would say that uh, the design of Inspector Gadget is based almost entirely on Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther movies. The, the same, you know, fedora, even like he, he resembles him, like in the, the shape of his nose and stuff. But uh, I would not be surprised if that was a nod to this guy the Inspector Gadget parachute coat. That's an interesting theory. And, you know, as an Eagle Scout, I always admired Inspector Gadget. That dude was prepared. You know, he was walking the walk, maybe in a but silly he, way. But he was also a fool. And he he needed his, his little niece Penny and her dog uh, to solve his crimes for him from behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I also love that Penny had this thing that she called a computer book, which is now yes. yeah, a, a tablet. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love Dr. Claw. Uh, uh, there is one canonical version of Claw's actual face from an action figure. It what? is disappointing. No, keep the mystery alive. Don't ruin oh, it. Oh, no, don't I shouldn't it. do keep it. The mystery. I don't, no, don't. No, it. you'll I'm be disappointed. It. You're not going to like it. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm the crowd at the Eiffel Tower. And you are you looking for Doctor Claw's face is like trying to test out your parachute suit. Oh, you know, I like it. I, I like it. I don't like it. It's disappointing. It's, it's, it's got kind of like a like a 
what's his name? What's that director? Uh, Jim Jarmusch kind of hair. Yeah. And he's got the, his the eyes scar. are uneven. And he's got, and he's got scar. a scar and, and his mouth. But I always pictured him being an android too, or someone more like Mumra from, right. um, from, from Thundercats. So I, I will say based on the voice and based on the mystery was better, but I kind of, I dig the, I dig this design in a certain I don't sense. Think, you know, I, I, Maybe I'm being too Hitchcocky, and maybe I'm saying the imagination is more terrifying than what's seen on screen. But if you want to, if you want to see a good reveal of an enigmatic villain, check out uh, check out Cobra Commander in <laughs> in the animated GI Joe film. Now that was a good reveal. Uh, I also bet you this uh, Doctor Claw action figure fetches a pretty penny uh, if you have an unopened one because it looks like the the, the boxed version the face is obscured mm-hmm. with like a sticker. It says "Reveal the mysterious Doctor Claw." Yes, uh, I just have a feeling this one is not particularly common, but let's see. Yeah, well, one thing we won't find is an action figure of our pal Franz because it would be in very poor taste. This is not an action figure you want to create. You don't want the army man aspect with a parachute because his parachute did not work. Noble attempt it was, assured he was. As a newspaper of the time wrote, two seconds after he jumps in a pitiful wreck, he lay on the icy grass. He fell almost standing, blood trickled through his mouth, nose, and ears. His right arm and leg were crushed. His skull and back were broken. He died instantly. But don't worry, folks. The story goes on. There are some more brilliant people who have died trying to fly. Now, there's one that we wanted. I I was thinking we skip, but uh, I had some insider info from our super producer, Max, uh, <laughs> Max, where, where are we going with this? You, you've promised us an Easter egg in the notes. So there's actually an Easter egg in Skyrim. It's in Morrowind as well, but um, Skyrim's the one I'm going to be referencing to. So you just kind of will be like running through the wild of Skyrim and you'll can happen upon a mage who is like summoning a spell. And when you get close enough, he'll shoot himself into the air and you'll just hear him giggling and celebrating and screaming, being like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can fly kind of like a version like of that. Yes, I remember this. But, but, but he reaches like, the like you know the peak of his ascent and then you hear his tone kind of change as he starts plummeting (laughs) back down to the ground yes to more of a scream and then he splats on the ground and dies because he clearly had finally figured out how to make himself fly but he had never figured out how to land yeah that's a big part of it gotta stick the landing big part of it he really reminds me a lot of our first guy ben who jumped off the mosque that uh seems like a similar scenario in terms of that oh shit moment you know mm-hmm. yeah everybody's gotten in over their head in one endeavor or another uh and this is uh let's put on our car stuff caps really quickly and fast forward to the modern day to a guy named henry smolinski henry smolinski is the type of dude who looks at a ford pinto and thinks, why the hell isn't this already a plane? I don't know if we've all been there, but that's where that's where his head's at. 
yeah, I, I do feel as though it'd be cool if we were in more of like a flying cars era of the future. But also, let's just talk about the logistics of that. Seems very unmanageable. I mean, think of all of the personnel it takes just to keep flights, commercial flights, you know, and private planes from crashing into one another and like all of the, you know, pomp and circumstances around takeoff and landing, all of that stuff. If people were just driving flying cars everywhere... There'd be midair collisions left All and right. It'd be a nightmare hellscape. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, man, but I've I had a uh, long-standing, long-standing argument with my good pal Scott Benjamin on the show Car Stuff about everything that floats, flies, swims, or drives, because Scott was very much against flying cars, and I was, to be completely honest, I understood his problems with the the idea. He's right by the way, and you're right, Noel, flying cars en masse are a terrible idea. My position was flying cars are awesome if I'm the only one who has one. And that's like, that's yeah. the only realistic way to think about flying cars. You just cars. can't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Because if, if people know that you have, if people know that Ben has one, then, then everyone else is going to want one too. You know? Well, if I had one. Human nature. If I had one, you guys know how I am. If I, if I had one, then I would try to get you guys each. I feel like the four of us, Max and you, Noel, and me, and you listening, fellow ridiculous historian. I think see, four, it's four, already gone too far. It's already gone too far. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? Well, that's the thing. Humans have never been particularly gassed about settling on anything. So as soon as the first cars are rolling out, the first internal combustion vehicles are are rolling out and they're becoming a real thing, instantly people look at the these amazing machines and say, why can't this fly? Uh, The fancy name for it is rotable aircraft. And we know people have been working on this for a while because the first patent for something like a flying car comes about in 1918 by a guy who I, I put this name in here because I knew we would all love it. Noel, this guy's real name is Felix Langobardi. Because of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> Felix Longobardi patented a vehicle with retractable wings that also had propellers. Uh, it was sort of like a like a like a like a sea to air kind of situation. So it, if you if you hit the water, you'd have these propellers that would allow you to carry on, you know, moving. Is it more of a fail-safe bin, or is it really meant to be a multi-terrain uh, vehicle? Well, uh, you know. It never really, wait for it, got off the ground. I think it, I, I think I in an ideal world, it's a multi-terrain vehicle. It's it can be a boat if it needs to be. It can be a car if it needs to be. It can be a plane. It's a beautiful idea. It just didn't work out quite as Felix wished. Uh, there was another thing. Uh, a guy named Robert E. Fulton creates the Airphibian. I love that name, Airphibian, uh, and <laughs> this. This one makes it to the prototype stage. Uh, It gets certified by a government organization, the Civil Aeronautics Administration. But again, if you look through your local parking lot, you will see that there are no Airphibians nestled there next to your Camrys and your, God forbid, Honda Odysseys. (laughs) Can you imagine a Honda Odyssey in the sky? Oh, it'd be like, no. It haunts me. 
everyone see, see Nope, by the way. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else. No spoilers, but it's a very cool movie. Uh, but can you imagine if if uh, Honda Odyssey just kind of came at you from the clouds, dive bombed mm. you, Ben, that one that's been stalking you low these many years? <sighs> well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to your number. Tonight. Thank you. Thank you guys for that. Uh, so uh, you are you are going to sleep anyway. We know each other too well. Yes, you are correct, sir. Uh, but what, what we're establishing here is that by hook or by crook, so many people have tried to make cars fly. And the vast majority of these attempts have been unsuccessful. They haven't made it to a um, a full production phase, right? It's It would be weird for you to see a flying car casually in the field. If you see something calling itself a flying car or rotable aircraft today, you're probably at a special event. You're probably not stuck in traffic. But these previous failures did not stop our guy, Henry Smolinski, until, you know, it did stop him. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. 
Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. He has some bona fides. He was an aeronautical engineer out in California, and he and his pal, fellow college student Harold Blake, uh, they had both graduated from the Northrop Institute of Technology. They're aeronautical engineers. They started a company pretty recently, 1971. It's called Advanced Vehicle Engineers, and they make something called the AVE Mizar, M-I-Z-A-R. And this is a, this is, no kidding. Please look at the picture if you're able to, to pull this up on your browser of choice. They took a Ford Pinto, Yes, the famous Ford Pinto. And they smacked the back half and wings of a small plane, a Cessna Skymaster, onto it. So if you look at it, it looks like a Ford Pinto that had some video game friends. It looks like someone had some DLC, some downloadable content. They did a DLC thing to this Ford Pinto. Uh, it... <sighs> Okay, it looks weird. It looks like it cannot fly, uh, but they wanted it to, you know, fly. They would use the car engine, the aircraft engine to take off, which would shorten the time it needed on the runway. And then once you're in the air, you turn off the car engine. And the idea is that it would have uh, wing supports that could extend you could tie down the wings like mm. any other aircraft. And if you wanted, how Inspector Gadget is this, you could detach the Skymaster part. You could get rid of the, the wings and the plane engine, and you could just drive your Ford Pinto out. Yeah, I like this in theory. But again, in practice, sort of another story. Uh, people felt the same, <laughs> uh, at least in terms of the excitement part. In 1973, things were going super well for Slominski and AVE. And by mid-1973, there were two prototypes that he had built, and three more were in development and actually starting to be built. One prototype was um, slated for uh, a display at a Van Nuys uh, Ford dealership owned by uh, one of AVE's partners, Bert Bokman. The other prototype was fitted with a Teledyne Continental Motors 210 horsepower engine. And it was unveiled at a press event on May 8th, 1973. And both vehicles were photographed by a very well-known photographer uh, belonging to Peterson Publishing Group, a guy named Mike Brenner, uh, for Hot Rod Magazine. Uh, this is a big deal. He's making some waves. Mm -hmm. I like how you say Hot Rod Magazine, too. That felt really cool. Uh, yeah, they, they're getting FAA certification. They're doing flights to get this certification, rather. And they partner with uh, someone who will be well-known to any any gearhead, any fellow car enthusiast, an automobile dealer named Galpin Ford. Galpin Ford, you might recognize. Uh, they have, a, they have a, a, like a subsidiary, a custom arm called Galpin Autosports, which is the garage from Pimp My Ride. Shout out, Exhibit. You know, he's the guy who heard you like trunks, so puts a trunk in your trunk so you have more trunk space in your trunk. Anyway, 
Yeah, and more room for 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 the subs subwoofers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go in the truck. Also, man, I'll tell you, wait, wait, was it in? We were somewhere. Maybe it was Dallas. There, there were a lot of um, hyper color kind of like uh, spinner rims. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. very popular. Yeah. Like those like kind of LED uh-huh. spinner rims. It seemed like there was like a whole gaggle of like, you know, ones running together and like crews almost like like, 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 like the like the dirt bike and um, ATV gangs that roam the streets of Atlanta. <laughs> uh, also, those three wheeled cars that are mm-hmm. also very like Tron looking. Yeah, there are a lot of those in Dallas, too. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're fun. Uh, I I have not bought one. I, I've driven around in one, but they're they're pretty fun. Uh, I just don't know if they're a daily driver because <laughs> they don't have a top. They're not cheap. They're I not. I figured they'd no. be like go-kart prices. No, and they're street legal, <laughs> questionably so. But, yeah, they're like as, as much as like a sedan. A little bit of a flex for sure. And here's how popular the – here's how popular Smolensky's vehicle was – it was going to be featured in a James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun, 1974. And that same year it was featured, it was going to hit dealerships. And if you wanted to buy one of these Ford Pinto Cessnas, (laughs) if you wanted to buy this, uh, you would pay about $18,300 for the bottom of the barrel, all the way up to $29,000 with all the bells and whistles. At this point, it is time for our inflation calculator. We got some boops. We got some beeps. And a boop. A boop. A boop and a boop. Boop, boop, be doop. Wonderful. That is our inflation calculator. $18,300 in 1974 is about $108,173.74 today. I don't want to sound like a cheapskate, but I think that's a lot for a car. I have a question. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to ask a question that I think no one in the history of question asking has ever asked. Why does there have to be inflation? <laughs> Why can't things just stay the same, man? Is it about population increase and demand on resources and whatnot? Is it because capitalism is a Ponzi scheme that will ultimately collapse on itself? These are good questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like why, you know, like uh, companies have to show year over year growth or else, mm. you know, like uh, there comes a point where how is that even possible? And you know, I mean, it is, you know, they, they'll make it possible or they'll do it with like creative accounting. <laughs> um, but it's just, it does seem like a, like a losing proposition at the end of the day. Unless you're in podcasting. Okay. Mm, kidding. Boy. Moving on. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Hey, yeah. We, we got to show growth too, man. The bosses be looking at those numbers. Oh, geez. Ah, geez. Uh, Well, at least we're not selling Honda Odysseys. So everything is, everything is perfect for Smolinski and co right now. It's 1973, 1974 is going to be a big year. Everybody's excited. They're doing the test flights. Stuff is looking pretty legit until late August, 1973. There's a pilot named Charles Janice and Charles says, okay, I'm on this test flight and right wing strut attachment has disconnected. The wing is unsupported. It's just flapping around like the aeronauts of old. You know that the flappity flappity leads to the splattity splattity. So he says, I can't turn this 
with the flappity wing. You guys need to look at this. This is a serious design problem. So Smolinski and Blake look at it. They do take this seriously. They fix the strut and they give it a once over. They take it out again just a few weeks later and respect to them because they didn't want to endanger anybody else's life. They did, to your earlier point, self-experimentation. Unfortunately, they were not able to fully fix the issue. The support failed once again when Smolinski himself, as the pilot, tried to make a turn. That right wing crumpled. The whole agglomeration of the Pinto and the Cessna crashed. Both men died. These are just a few of the people, not only inventors who died due to their own inventions, but just a few of the people who died trying to fly. So every time you are on an airplane, and one of us is going to be on an airplane very soon, every time you're on an airplane, thank those people. Thank you for that, Ben. <laughs> Wait, I was like, is it me? Who is it? Oh, yeah, Max, vacation. The guy who hates you'll, flying you'll the be most, fine. you have to say that too. Jesus, Aerophobia. Hey, speaking of landing, I'll send you this Instagram video that'll that'll put your uh, your fears at ease. I saw the most remarkable, just absolute borked landing of a commercial flight on Instagram. It's like the thing, it's just coming in at this absurd angle and it hits. It doesn't explode. It just flips over and skids upside down to a stop. I, I don't think anyone died, mm -hmm. but like, I, what what terror? Can you imagine the terror? Why'd you tell me that also? Because we want to help you confront your aerophobia, man. Face yeah. your fear, man. <sighs> I, I, even guys, I, I, I'm flying Alaska out to Seattle. I even sprung the extra 56 bucks to get business class. Well, not business class. It's like premium yeah. class. Plus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Comfort plus. Like, I mean, I'm six feet tall. I'm like 200 mm -hmm. ish pounds. So I'm going to give you an ish there. So I don't, I clearly don't fit in most planes. So I got that extra four inches. So I was going to be all, it's like, it's you a late day it. flight. I was going to enjoy it, but now I'm just going to be thinking about the plane nose diving and like, you know, cartwheeling down uh, down the runway. That is the scariest older. part for me. I fly all the time. The landing oh, yeah. is always, that's when things could go south. I like to sit in the very front or in the very back. Uh, because I, I like the, I like the bump, you know, if I'm, if I'm already paying for a ticket and I, I, fly probably too much honestly but if i'm if i'm paying for the ticket then give me a little roller coaster at the end you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying what is I life if done to be lived <laughs> i always grip the seat in front of me just a little bit uh every time and uh yeah hey haven't haven't had a flipper yet so you'll be fine max you'll be fine the odds are in your favor as little as you fly max get right. a window seat Get a window seat. Hey, hell, get the emergency exit seat. I that's love the, it. That's the, one with oh, the, that's the one. I love that. That's the one with the most leg room, you know? Yeah, it is. Also, it's the one with uh, the most power and responsibility. I always try to fly an exit seat window style. You lose a little window sometimes. You might just get the porthole, but those people depend on you, and it's cool to be a hero. Maybe am I a little too proactive? and a little too enthusiastic when the flight attendant asked me for that verbal yes. Maybe I should just say yes instead of hell yeah. These are questions, and they're fair questions. You know, I was my own kind of hero on a flight recently, Ben. There was a particularly 
uh, obnoxious child who was sitting next to me, and I had the window seat, uh-huh. and her mother was seated next to her in the middle, and then the, the child, and, and this is one of these children that's just like, I want the thing that I can't have. Give me the window Which seat. was the window seat. Yeah. I gave her my window seat, and the mother was so what? appreciative, and the flight attendant heard me do it and rewarded me with Sky Miles. Okay. But I mainly, I mainly just didn't want to hear that kid yowling the whole trip. So it was a sort of a self-serving uh-huh. act. But I think in some small way, I did a service for everyone on that plane. Well, you got aisle I will seat, take that. Right? I will take those accolades. Yeah, I, I, I did aisle seat. Cool. I'm fine with aisle seat. Cool. I like either aisle seat or, uh, of course, window seat. But aisle seat's good because you can get up anytime. You don't have to worry about bugging aisle people. Aisle seat's okay. Uh, I'm also, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not six. I don't need a window seat anymore. Uh, it's fun. I don't mind it. But I think I prefer the aisle seat, except getting your elbows banged. I like the windows. Planes are amazing. A lot of people died so that we could witness uh, and participate in this fascinating technology. Window seats forever. Uh, and you guys, you know, I'll wave to you when you're over on the aisle seat. And I respect you. And Max, we didn't want this to end on a bad note. And areophobia is is a real thing. Uh, so for you, my friend, we wanted to wrap today's show with a couple of hopefully reassuring facts. You are way safer. You are way safer taking a flight to Seattle than you are taking a road trip. Uh, and there are numerous reasons why. Uh, we pulled some National Highway Traffic Safety Administration data uh, back in... Uh, let's say 2015, the numbers were roughly the same before COVID, there were 32,000, more than 32,000 fatal car accidents that led to over 35,000 deaths. That means that there were people who were not involved with the cars who died. They weren't driving, they weren't necessarily passengers, they died. Uh, And This means that there were 1.13 fatalities per 100 million vehicle miles traveled. That's 11 people for every 100,000 U.S. residents. Cars are not subject to the same scrutiny, the same maintenance, the same rigorous regulation as planes. So, dude, you are, whether you're in the aisle seat or the window seat, nobody wants the middle seat. Whether whatever seat you're in, uh, you are way safer than you would be on a road trip, even if you were with me and Noel, which would be epic. We should do a road trip. Oh, I'd love to. Speaking of uh, our old pal Scott Benjamin, we did an incredible road trip years ago, actually a road rally. We did like a scavenger hunt uh, all across the, these United States, and it was a delight. Um, but yeah, we should make that happen again very soon. But in the meantime, I think it's time to put an end to this, uh, this two-parter. Proactively, Mm -hmm. proactive two-parter. Yes, yes, that is correct. Uh, And we hope that you have enjoyed this uh, as as much as we did, folks. Again, every death is a tragedy, but these brave pioneers of the sky have fundamentally changed the way that people interact with their environment. And we hope you tune in for future iterations of this. Let us know. uh, Let us know your tales of inventors who have died by their own hands, such as here's a fun fact I throw in because I don't know whether this belongs in a a full episode. But uh, Noel, Max, did you guys you guys know the Denver airport, right? There's that big nightmarish stallion statue. The guy who made that died as a result of that statue. 
What do you mean as a result? How did he die? Who did this to him? It fell on him. Oh, my God. That's awful. There's also that insane mural at the Denver airport that's got, like, the, the weird gas mask kind of Gestapo figure swinging a giant saber across, a like, a rainbow of, like, indigenous people carrying dead babies. It's very strange. Yes. Didn't they move some of that or they, they got rid of some of it? I don't know. It was always very controversial. And there were even, like, you know, all kinds of conspiracies uh, swirling around the Denver airport. This is news to me. This just happened? In 2006, the sculptor was killed when part of the blue Mustang statue fell on him. Unfortunately, severed an artery in his leg. Yikes. I thought you said we weren't going to end this on a bummer, Ben. That's a total oh, bummer. Well, right, right you are. Uh, we don't want it to be a bummer because uh, he, like the aviation pioneers in this series, uh, he did leave a legacy. And it's important to remember that history is closer than it may appear in the rear view. There we go. Oh my gosh, my car stuff's coming out. We gotta end the show. At least he didn't sever an artery in his legacy. Am I right? Oh dear Lord, guys, oh. come on, to end the show already. I'm gonna start. <laughs> I'm gonna start ripping off people's names and thank yous all right, right now. All right, thanks, 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 okay, Max. Yeah, thanks yeah, for yeah, the check in. Also, thanks to our super producer, Max. Thanks to Alex Williams, composed yeah. the track. Yeah, Jonathan Strickland. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. We're out, we're out. Everybody have a great week. uh, We'll see you next time. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.